You're listening to Stealing the Blinds, a weekly poker podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and guests in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together. This week's topic, you are your own worst enemy, resilience. Before we get started, I need to apologize. Um, during this week's post-production, I clipped off the beginning of uh, where we started. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry, um, but we're going to start. We got probably 95% of what we recorded, and I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Christine on resilience. When we were talking, you, Jordan, and I were talking about ideas for episodes. I posted on Facebook page what is people's biggest problems. And two of the issues that came up were boredom and resiliency. So we're going to do a little series here um, of things that are your, your own worst enemy at. This week, we're going to do re- resilience. And uh, I'm looking forward to what somebody who plays this game on a weekly basis for a living, their perspective on resilience. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about this topic. I think it's something that's often overlooked and we're not uh, necessarily prepared for uh, needing this particular skill until it's kind of too late when we are going down the path and we realize that, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I want to do this. Being prepared and knowing if you're essentially tough enough to handle the swings is a huge asset to have. Yeah, I, I think that when we look at poker and variance, you know, I mean, it's a game of variance, right? And I think that a lot of people play poker because they get lucky and they start out with a, they start out with a certain amount of positive variance. But if we play this game long enough and often enough, we're going to end up experiencing negative variance. One of, one of the things I know that uh, Phil Galfon was once told by somebody that if you play long enough, you will experience a downswing longer than you ever thought you could imagine. Yes, and it's absolutely true. And I have had some pretty nasty downswings and probably not the worst of it as far as a a lot of poker players are concerned. I mean, you can go months, if not years, with negative variance. And, you know, I know that people know that in their head or they hear it, but until you actually start experiencing it and living through it, you don't know what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know I went through a two-year downswing, and I, I got to admit, it was longer than I ever could have imagined. And I, there was parts of my game that I needed to change, parts of my game that magnified that downswing. But I think that a lot of players have this problem is that they'll go through that downswing. And what happens is that they think they have to change their game, and they may not have to. And there might not be anything wrong with their game. It literally is a game of variance. And most live players aren't playing a large enough volume to really, you know, get through that variance quickly. If it's a negative, if if you're going through a period of negative variance, it's going to be a long time to get through that side because we're not playing that much volume. Yeah. And when you say that, you know, somebody might not be playing incorrectly or they might want to change their game, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, because for me, the first significant downswing I went on, um, after several months of it, I had to stop and 
really take a look at my game. Like it's, it's one thing to be going through it and just say to your friends and your, you know, oh my God, I'm on a nasty downswing and just keep just plowing through. Um, but being aware of that there might be leaks in your game that are also contributing because once we start going into that downswing or we're experiencing the, the negative variance, uh, we often play bad as well. And so being able to honestly assess your your game and your skill level and to see where you're at is super important. As I said, my first downswing, I was 100% contributing to that downswing after several months of it. And it took a lot of analysis for me to go back and a lot of work to honestly assess what was going on and start to turn it around. Now, yes, was I experiencing some nasty variants? Uh-huh. Was I contributing to it? Oh, yeah. Um, so being aware of that as well. And you're right. There are pros that are way more advanced than me and have way more experience that do go through some uh, negative variants uh, for extended lengths of time that are probably playing pretty freaking solid poker and don't have much to work on. But for the low stakes grinders um, and those that don't have a lot of experience, they're probably contributing to it in some way or another. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no doubt that during my prolonged downswing that I was contributing to it. I actually was playing a lot of hours. I was playing online and I was playing a lot of hours and I was playing a lot of hands. There was two factors there is that the online game is tougher and I wasn't good enough to beat it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I am now or, or not. I might be, but I don't know. Um, I'm not playing online at the moment. I do know that I had to I had to make sure that I was talking with a coach about it to know because I'm not I'm not one of the people that can be honest about my game just to be on, to, just to be truthful about the situation. And if you're listening to this show, you you probably can't either because most poker players can't. I mean, the reality is it's very difficult to be objective. I just saw a hand history from a guy who I know is a good player who played a hand well, and he questioned whether or not he played it well, and he did it publicly, and it's like, okay, yeah, th there may be times you'd play this hand differently, but this isn't one of them. You played it well, you played it right, but he had a, he, he ran into that negative variance, and the first reaction tends to be either one of two things. It's either to blame the other players and say it's all their fault that I'm losing. If they would just play the game right, I could win, or to look at ourselves and blame ourselves whether we did something wrong or not. And I think that we need a coach or we need friends or surrounding ourselves with a group or community of poker players that can help us look at it and say, no, you did all right there. Well, no, you think you did okay over here, but this is the one that's actually wrong. Mm -hmm. And be able to break that down honestly. And that's going to help us one of the things that that's actually kind of one of the pillars that we're going to look at today, right, is community. And I think that's one of the things I'm saying right here uh, is that that is the only way I can be honest with whether or not my downswing is all my fault, none of my fault, or what percentage of it is my fault. Absolutely. It's it's an interesting point you're, you brought up about community and hand histories. I just actually, prior to recording this, was reading a hand history from somebody I know online. Um, not not the SOC group, but um, just a, a separate friend. And in my personal opinion, the hand was not played very well. But as I'm going reading the comments, 
there was a ton of support for the way the hand was played. I've been wafting back and forth as to whether I should interject. <laughs> um, but because I think the people sh that this person's getting feedback from are not necessarily at a level that they can objectively look at the hand and see whether it was played properly, in my opinion. Um, I think the hand should never even happen uh, pre-flop. Let's just put it that way. The pre-flop action was probably not solid. Once this person got past preflop, it was fine, but I think that the reason for being in the hand was not good enough. And now that I'm just rambling on about this particular hand and this particular post, I think I'm going to go ahead and interject on that thread and just put that out there. We'll see what, what happens. Well, I, I got to be honest, there's value in what you're calling rambling, rambling here because it's important to have a community, right? Yes. And community is going to help us be resilient. But a good, knowledgeable community is important. That's the point I'm trying to get at, yes. <laughs> and so it doesn't do us any good to go out there and surround ourselves with five people who are playing poker if they play 20 hours a year. Yeah. Or they just don't want to hurt the person's feelings and don't want to be honest about it. They just would rather show some support and say, great job, when they might know better, you know. I think that one of the things that I want to address here, um, it's kind of going backwards, but I want to kind of address the notion of what do we do when we're in that never-ending downswing. And one of the reasons we really want to address this today is because those never-ending downswings tend to be the death knell for most players ever playing poker. You have those players that'll go through three or four months of losing sessions, and that's it for them in poker. Sure. And we don't. We personally don't want that because we think it's a great game. Without somebody having this tremendous financial uh, foundation, a lot, that's what happens to a lot of us, right? We Absolutely. Get... Uh, you see it a lot in your local casinos. You'll have, you know... Bob's there every day for six months. And then all of a sudden, where'd Bob go? You know, well, Bob probably got wrecked and has to go back to his day job and start rebuilding his bankroll. And that's okay. I mean, it happens. And thankfully, Bob has a job to fall back on. And he can go back and start saving up and, and come back to the casino maybe six months or a year later. But you see it all the time, you know, where'd so-and-so go? Where'd so-and-so go? And, uh, you know, that's usually what happened. When we do the show notes, uh, it's very interesting. I always send them off to you and Jordan so you guys can add stuff in. And this week you added in the five pillars of resilience, which I was I didn't even know existed. <laughs> so I'm grateful that you added that in. The funny part is that Jordan added in, and Jordan's not with us today, but Jordan added in the five dimensions of personal readiness that are from the Army uh, resilience. So... I want to kind of go over them a little bit and yeah, how, how they apply to poker. Sure, because they are very similar. The five pillars of resilience and his uh, army resilience tend to echo one another. So, yes, I, I think they also can be applied to poker as well. You want to introduce those five pillars to us? Uh, when, when the topic came up of resilience, I was kind of like, well, re what really is it? And, you know, how do we kind of work this into poker? other than just having a, a casual conversation. And what it came up with is there's the five pillars, one being self-awareness, number two, mindfulness, three, self-care, four, positive relationships, 
and five purpose. And obviously these things are huge as far as uh, being successful and being able to continue on throughout some, uh, some downswings in order to keep going in, in your poker career. Um, number one, obviously self-awareness. Um, you know, if we aren't aware of where our gaps are or our skill level, or if we're honestly contributing to our downswing, then we're never going to basically be able to fix it or try and work our way out of it. And as you have said many times, that all comes back to community, whether it's our coaches, our friends, uh, the opinions of those that we value. We need that to kind of reflect back and and look at our game and see where it's going. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that when we look at this, like self-awareness is extremely important. And the funny part is that I don't really think of terms of self-awareness when I'm playing, but we do. We need to be self-aware of a lot of different things when we're playing poker, right? Like whether or not we're too tired to play, whether or not we're playing our best, whether or not we, you know, are mentally stable at that moment. All this goes into that self-awareness. Who are who are we at that moment? How are we at that moment? Are we in in a mental capacity, a physical capacity to be able to sit down and play profitable poker? Yeah, and I think it also comes down to not being results oriented. You know, a lot of people think about a hand and go, oh, well, I won and I won a lot. So I played that perfectly. And then they'll look at a hand that they lost and they said, well, I must have done something wrong, which they might not necessarily have done. And so being able to recognize the difference is super important. Even I posted a hand uh, yesterday in our forum. I knew I didn't play it very well and I couldn't quite put my finger on where I went astray. Again, my self-awareness was not necessarily that it was terrible, but that I needed some feedback on it. And of course, putting it in the group forum, um, I got some great feedback and gives me something to go back and look into. And ultimately, it came down to me being exhausted, uh, playing the hand I'd been playing too long, just wasn't really in focus at the time. And, and so that's a, you know, lesson learned. Okay, yes, I did win the hand. Yes, I got some value from my hand. But no, it probably in the long run wasn't the greatest play. Um, so that for me is being self-aware. That's what I kind of contribute to being self-aware and, and at least reaching out when you have some questions. The second pillar, mindfulness. This is actually something I feel is a strong suit of mine. I can be in a game of poker and be very mindful of all the actions that are happening, mindful of the stack sizes, you know, players' idiosyncrasies, thoughts that come into my head, the environment. I'm there. Okay. I'm not off at home. I'm not off at work. I'm there. So I feel like I'm very good at being mindful and being present in where I'm at at the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I got going for me that is very valuable that most players don't. You know, most players, uh, you'll see them on their phone or you'll see them watching the TV. This is a huge disadvantage for them. Absolutely. And it's okay. If you're there to just have a few beers, play poker and watch the football game, I've got no issue with that. But if you're there to improve your game, you're there to make some profits, it's probably not the best idea. The thing that I have difficulty, and maybe you can help me with this, is while I think that mindfulness is a huge advantage when we're playing at the table, I don't know how to tie mindfulness to resilience in poker. Um, How does it help us be more resilient? All right. 
um, I can I can take that out. <laughs> All right. So now, as strong as I am with the second p pillar, I my third pillar has a tendency to crumble on me. The third pillar, self care. You know what happens is that I get into bouts of depression and I don't really do a good job of getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise. I eat bad food. Sometimes getting out of bed, going to work is the best I can do. Yeah. Doing really good right now. But when I'm in those moments, that definitely affects my ability to be resilient. Right. I, I mean, because honestly, I, I don't even want to deal with life, let alone sitting down at a poker play table trying to make a living. Absolutely. Uh, I think this is a huge one. And, and as you as well, like I struggle with this one. I have always had struggling uh, issues with my weight. And I also have some mental health issues that I struggle with. And uh, therefore, sleep is super important to uh, maintaining my mental health. Um, and that uh, sometimes with poker gets neglected, playing too long, playing at bad hours of the night. Um, it can definitely kind of crack my resiliency. And I'm very aware that that is uh, something that I need to take care of. For example, I played a very long session the other night. And as a result, I've had to take two days off. And, and I'm okay with that, because I know that my body needs its rest. Um, and I need that to bounce back. If I went uh, even Two days after that, I still would not play good poker. So being able to take care of yourself, whether it's uh, emotionally, uh, mentally, or physically, is huge to your poker game. And it's something that I work on and struggle with at the same time. Um, when I look back at when I've been most successful or had really good periods of poker, I've been my healthiest uh, and in a good state of mind. And uh, I know how much it reflects in my game and it, again I struggle with it and it's something that I continuously work on but it's there and it's uh, something that we need in order to, to remain in the game yeah I agree I agree so I don't really have much to add there I mean I think that that's all very very true when I look at you know it, it's funny because I've really only got one pillar here that I got to worry about and it's this one that we're talking about right now with the self-care mm -hmm. the next one positive relationship pillar, uh, I'm really lucky. I'm really fortunate. But I, I do know the importance of it because I, I recently had an event happen that I say it's really strong, and I think it is, but I had an event happen that, that made it clear just how important positive relationships are. I have surrounded myself mostly online. I say I surrounded myself. Most of the people I know in poker, I know online. But I have surrounded myself with a lot of positive poker people, a lot of people to help me improve my game. My wife is very positive, very supportive. My co-hosts, I think, are very positive people. Mm -hmm. So I've done that. It took one person in, in my circle of poker people to, they took something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And they, I, I don't want to put any blame on them because what it is, is it's just a matter of a misunderstanding and it happened, but they were a part of my circle. And when they had a bad experience with me, I spiraled out of control for a good three or four weeks. 
You know what I mean? So having those good positive relationships matters. Again, I don't want to blame that person. I don't feel like uh, they're a bad person. I don't feel like they're even a negative person. I think they were part of that positive relationships I had. But I, it's very important to have those positive relationships. It's very important to have a good foundation in that area. It's also important not to let one person affect you too negatively, which is the part that I'll take in that, that I allowed that person to affect me too negatively. What kind of positive relationships do you have that help you? Uh, for me, um, obviously, my my boyfriend and my partners in the past have uh, always supported me as far as poker is concerned. Um, my family supports me that way. I, I don't have any issues with backlashes, choosing this as a career or going down this path, which is huge, I think. Um, not having that negative feeling or shame or guilt or whatever it may be if your loved one are not on the same page as you. I've also obviously reached out to our group um, and that those relationships have been huge in keeping me afloat. Uh, I mean, our group is wonderful. I, the best part of the group for me is uh, going to Vegas and meeting up and spending time and hashing out hands and enjoying a drink and, and whatnot. And so if there's uh, any issues going on for myself uh, I can I have an abundance of people I can reach out to and have some support without that I, I'm not sure where I would be if I had a partner that didn't understand the game or didn't support me or if my family members didn't support me it would be really really rough as I said I do this for a living so it's it's not just okay, let's work at a time where you can go once a week and everybody's on the same page and they're like that's it kind of thing because you've got other obligations. So for me, it's 100% essential. If you don't have that support, if you have a spouse that's not on the same page or family members, I think it's super important to find yourself a community and group that you can immerse yourself in and find that support. I agree with all that. I think that, yeah, I think it's just important. You're right. It's It'd be a much, much harder to play poker if my wife didn't support me. It'd be much, much harder to do any of this, to do a podcast every week if I didn't have the support and love of my friends and my wife. I think that this next pillar is the most important of the five pillars. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, is, that is the why are we doing this, all right? Right. You know, the why is... So I'm going to be honest. Um, I think that um, playing poker for money um, is is not a good reason to play. It's going to be it's going to make it hard to stay with it. I think that playing poker for you know a living, if that that's the only why you have, I'm doing it to make a living. I think that it's going to be difficult. Um, so for me, my why I, I have a bunch of whys, but the number one why is I I love the game. I love the uh, facet of trying to uh, figure out people puzzles. I love trying to figure out the math of poker. I love studying poker. So basically, I, I love the game. Now, do I want money from it? Yes. Do I want freedom and autonomy? Yes. But my main reason for doing anything poker-wise is my love of the game. Yeah, I think uh, without this last pillar of purpose, you're just going to crumble. Uh, you really have to figure out your why. And of course, that's going to be different for everybody. Um, but when 
poker kicks you in the ass and it will, you have to be able to, you know, process what's going on and decide whether you want to continue enough. Is this love of the game or uh, freedom and autonomy? Is that enough for you to, to push through? For some people, of course it is. And for others, they're just like, no, nope, I've had enough. I'm just going to do it, you know, whenever I feel like it. Um, for me, I have to identify with that a lot because uh, although I have to pay my bills, it's not really the sole reason I play. Um, my ultimate why is is for freedom and to be able to do what I want on my own terms. I love to travel and being able to do that when I want. Um, if I'm stuck in a nine to five and I only get two weeks vacation, it's very difficult to do that. Where if I have a friend that says there's a great series going on somewhere, I can say, okay, and I can pick up and go if I want. And that's my choice. And that's what I really love about it. But I have to remind myself of that sometimes when I, you know, I'm having a really rough time and uh, have to refocus and say, is this for me? And I say, hell yes, it is. And it's worth the pain. And I'm going to struggle through it. And I'm going to end up on top. I got to be honest. I mean, when. When I asked you to be a co-host, I really didn't know you that well. And a lot of your story that you shared in Meet the New Host really, really is about resilience. You know what I mean? So I look at it, you know, um, going through a relationship breakup early on in your professional career, mm -hmm. um, staying in a van at the casino so that you could afford to take and keep your apartment where your son was so he mm -hmm. could go to school. All this is in my mind is just being willing to do what you need to, to persevere and, and reach that goal that you're looking for. And not that I would recommend that everybody go and live in a van in order to take and become a professional poker player. But I think that this is, this is like great that we have you here today and being able to talk about resilience, because honestly, I, that's what I think your whole story is. Well, we can't forget about the pandemic that kicked me in the butt as well, where I lost my job and had to <laughs> relocate a couple times and <laughs> uh, play some underground games that were less than savory. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, the last couple of years as well, I had to uh, be really resilient and find ways to try and continue on with my journey, uh, which was not easy in Canada because of all the casinos closing. I, I know a lot of the, the players in the U.S. had more casinos open than we did. Uh, we were extremely limited, and I no longer play online. I used to, and I did consider uh, returning there um, during the pandemic, but uh, ultimately I, I felt that it was not advantageous to me and that I would uh, continue on playing in the underground games and uh, and move across the country. So. I do want to take and give some uh, time to uh, Jordan's little bit here where he put in uh, the five dimensions of readiness that the Army does, which is uh, physical, emotional, social, spiritual, and family. And I don't think we need to go as deep into these as we did the pillars, but I would like to go over them. Mm -hmm. When we look at how that would apply to poker and we look at physical, you're going to do better in poker. If you're healthy, <laughs> you know, you're going to do better in poker if you're in shape, particularly if you're a tournament player, but even if you're a cash player, because if you're in shape, it's going to be easy to play a four to eight hour session. If you're not in shape, 
that's going to be hard on you. And it, no, you're not doing anything. It's still hard on you because your body just doesn't want to stay up that long. You're not in great shape. Uh, if you haven't eaten well, it just helps to be better physical, in good physical shape. Wouldn't mm -hmm. you agree? Absolutely. Emotional, this is part, this, this goes to that mental soundness that we've already covered a little bit. If you're not mentally sound and you sit down at the table, it's not good for the Army. If you're not mentally sound, it's not good for a poker player if they're not mentally sound. It's not going to do you any good. <laughs> we look at the social. Um, this goes a lot to the thing where we said that you have to have positive relationships. When you look at your social health, you're looking at you know positive relationships. But one of those things that always pops in the mind is we become the amalgamation of the five people we hang out with the most. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little overbuilt, but I, there's truth to it, right? The people we hang out with that we try to emulate, that's who we become the average of. This one is difficult for me, um, the spiritual. We just did an interview with James Splitsuit Sweeney, and at the end of it, he says, maybe sometime, or I'm paraphrasing, but he basically brought up, you know, having weird conversations about scripture. And I laughed uncomfortably. I texted him afterwards. I told him that on my good days, I believe in a higher power. And on my bad days, I don't. And on my really bad days, I believe in a higher power that's kind of like a mean kid pulling the wings off a fly. So so the spirituality, uh, I used to be able to say that I was a very spiritual person. But what I would say now is I don't know if I am now, but I will say that you don't have to be religious but at the very least, you have to be sound in mind and spirit. And I don't know if you have a different take on that. I, I really don't, Del. It's interesting that that is uh, in the Army. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I am not a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. I'm not. Now, I believe that there is to be at peace with yourself and those around you and your world. Uh, if that means spiritual, okay, I can kind of lean that way. Um, I am fully behind anybody who is spiritual or religious. Um, I have nothing against it. I just don't have much experience with it myself um, and don't put much thought into it, actually. Like I said, it's hard for me to really speak on. It sounds like it sounds like that you have difficulty speaking on it mm -hmm. on a personal level also. But it's it's nothing we it's nothing that we say isn't a good thing. I think that I'm sound spiritually. I just don't think I'm spiritual. <laughs> so I don't know if that makes any sense. Now, the last one is family. And this is one that I will say that family should always come before poker. If you're putting poker before family, you might want to seek professional help. Family still has to come before poker. Where do you, where, where do you stand on this? Uh, I 100% agree. I mean, uh, it's, it's super important to have a healthy family. and I mean, obviously, we're not all so lucky to have a good family dynamic. So from that point of view, if uh, there is some issues with uh, your own personal family dynamics, I would have to spread that along to friends as well or the people that you spend the most time with. We've gone through our five pillars of resilience, and we've uh, even gone through the five dimensions of readiness. Do you have anything else you'd like to add on resilience? Oh, nothing's coming to mind at the moment. How about you, Dale? What I'll say is this. If the game of poker makes you miserable, don't keep playing it. When we say that you need to be resilient, this by no means should encourage somebody that is 
in misery playing the game should continue. But if you love the game, if there's joy in the game for you, then you, you want to do everything you can to be resilient. You do that by having good community more than anything else and, and having a good reason to play. All five pillars matter. I, I shouldn't say one is more important than the other, but community's been the most important to me, along with my reason why to play. It doesn't matter what's most important to you. If you love the game, find a way to be resilient. If you don't, that's all right, too. Yeah. Nobody should be miserable trying to play this game for the wrong reasons. Right. And I, yeah, I agree with you there, Dell. I think sometimes our, our lives get overwhelmed with other things, whether it may be your career, uh, family issues. And if so, you if you are having issues being resilient at poker, that's okay, too. Take a break. Uh, nobody says that you have to plow through and be miserable and live a life that's not good. I mean, if your family or your career or other issues in your life need some attention, it's okay to step away. And uh, that's also part of resilience, recognizing that uh, sometimes it's it's okay to take a break. Well, thank you, Christine. This has been awesome. I, I think that we've, I hope we've helped some people. I think this is uh, good information for people. And I want to thank you for being here with me. Thanks for having me. This has been Stealing the Blinds, a weekly poker podcast for students of the game by students of the game. When you're not stacking your chips, please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Recommend the show to your favorite donkey, fish, or whale, and head over to tbstv.com support to show the crew some love. Until next week, stick to the plan, and may all your variants be positive. <laughs>